Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. This podcast is focused on Novartis's approach to making patients feel valued in clinical research. From the 2023 CRACO Clinical Research as a Care Option Conference. For more information on the CRACO Conference, editorial, podcasts, or webcasts, visit cracoevent.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Aloha, y'all, and welcome to North Carolina. You're in my hometown. Um, I grew up here in Cary and Morrisville, and so it's always a pleasure to get to come home. Uh, but I live now in Wilmington, North Carolina, and work with Novartis Pharmaceuticals in our U.S. medical uh, team, and uh, and have been with the Novartis family for about 10 years now, uh, and have been a longtime fan of the Craco uh, conference and the momentum that's being built to continue to in- integrate research into clinical care um, and, and with the built-in bias that I think clinical research is excellence in care. And so when you believe that and you're absolutely sure of it, then all the things that come behind that sort of make more sense. The other thing that I'm, I'm really happy to get to do is if no one said happy clinical trials to you, happy clinical trials day um, from this weekend, since we had it on a weekend, we might have missed some of that. Happy clinical trials day uh, and happy AAPI awareness month. Um, hence my aloha y'all and mahalo nui for the invitation. Uh, at, Valerie knows I, I head out on vacation um, to visit a little of my Hawaiian heritage uh, this week. So, uh, so mahalo nui for helping me launch my vacation uh, today too. Uh, so making patients feel valued in clinical research, the attitude of gratitude. I have great pleasure to work with some of my colleagues around the industry with the Transcelerate Consortia and Transcelerate's overall mission to optimize and accelerate research in, within our initiative is patient experience. And so talking with patients and doing things with patients, not just for patients, is sort of what we're all about. Am I bumping things? Okay, thank you. Uh, so uh, so let, let's talk about this. We, Thank you very much. I don't know how I thought I was going to do that. That's me. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to move right on past learning objectives into um, what has been, particularly for our patients who are experiencing clinical trials, what has been your experience when you screen failed? Anybody screen fail for a clinical trial? Yeah, those of you who've been in trials, you've screen failed. Positive experience, super fun, you loved it, made you want to come back to research. So a third of a global survey of experienced clinical trial patients said that they had experienced low or no satisfaction or any gratitude in their clinical trial experience. I mean, on the upside, two thirds did, That's, that's good. And, and the patient advisors who have been with us today, thank you, thanks so much, had a positive experience with their, per, with their personal and investigator physician in their clinical research. Yay. So everything's not bad, but a third of patients had a bad experience. And this is our most excellent care. This is, like, this is the top of the bar. So once upon a time, I volunteered to be in a clinical trial. And this is what I do for a living. And I went in, and we were going through some of the process, and I had read the informed consent. And at the moment that I failed my screening, I was outside the building before I even knew what happened. 
I looked up and realized, you have just been truly booted out of the building. And I do this for a living, so I had lots of forgiveness for that study coordinator who is clearly a really busy person doing the best you can, right? So I have a lot of forgiveness. Yeah, I didn't go back to that site though for the next clinical study. And they've called, and I don't go back. What I do do though, every time someone calls me to participate in the clinical trial now though, is I do say, when they say, well, you know, we're gonna check and see if you qualify for the study, is I say, okay, not to get off track, I know you're really busy, but I can't qualify or disqualify from a clinical study, I'm the patient. This is something we can do. We can all do this. Patients don't fail treatment. I know you hear it, right? And patients don't screen fail, and they don't fail chemotherapy. Chemotherapy might fail a patient, and that is tragic. And the surgery might not work for a patient, and that is tragic. But patients don't fail clinical trials. So we stay on that track, and we know the patients aren't having a super great experience all the time. Not that we don't mean well, we do. One of our patient advisors said, it's my ninth clinical trial, and I've never had a thank you. And in the power dynamic that is medicine, in general, you go to the doctor, you feel terrible, you get a treatment of some sort, and you say, oh, okay, hello, <laughs> you had coffee. You say, thank you, right, and you, and you leave. It is somewhat uncommon for that to flip the other way, though in research we do this. Like, I've been thanked for my participation, except for when I got kicked out of the door. Um, and you've been, I think, I hope, thanked for your participation in clinical studies. But we don't do that very well, generally, because the power dynamic is different. And I just think if we increase the amount of gratitude we're sharing, yes, that would be really good for patients. But I also see a lot of people who work hard and have been working hard in this research field for a long time who are also tired. It would probably not hurt if the gratitude levels come up in your office because it's going to be good for you too. So if my study coordinator who <laughs> popped me out of the door so quick had had a trigger, just a little reminder to say thank you, you know, screening for clinical studies is so important. Just your willingness to come here today is a big deal. Would you ever consider being in a future research study? Just that little trigger and that conversation would have left me feeling better. But honestly, wouldn't it have made her feel better too? Because like, most of you that have been doing research, you've probably screened failed, right? You've probably not matched a person to a particular clinical study in quantity, right? And when you get to that 10th person who's not gonna make it into the study, like you feel bad too. Right, like this is, this is not entering the study with the speed that you wanted, there are reimbursement problems with that. So, so we, we can see where this could create positive ripples, yeah. So one of the study site advisors that talked to us about the upcoming um, and now launched Transcelerate Patient Experience Gratitude Toolkit, as we were having study coordinators and other research staff talked to us about this gratitude toolkit. They said, you know, we, we're the contact. We're the, the connection point to patients. But if we could have some guidance on kind of what's okay to do and what's not okay to do and what is reimbursable and what is not reimbursable and somebody wanted to write some words for us ahead of time, that would really help. So what if we could do a little bit more about that? 
and it, there ought to be lots of benefits. These are the ones that made it onto the slide. There ought to be lots of benefits to showing gratitude, and I think not the least of which is acknowledging the work that our volunteers are giving with their body to research, but for that matter, you know, raising the tide of the morale within our research offices. You know, we've had a couple of presentations already today about staffing is hard. Um, morale must play some part of that, right? Staffing is hard and the work it can be hard. Anything that we can do to lift that has got to be a good thing. What if we improved the reputation of clinical research? What if we enrolled more clinical trials? What if we had better word of mouth uh, patient recruitment? Like that would all be cool too. But even, even if we just start with, we should acknowledge the work and the, and the life experience from our participants. So a couple of items. The, the overall gratitude toolkit is now open to the public. Please, at the end of the presentation, I will show, share with you a link. If you haven't checked it out, please do make it better uh, for, for yourselves. I will share with you a couple of examples out of the toolkit that I know a little something for real about. Um, one of the things we did in the toolkit is to try to put it across a patient journey. And even when we did and we talked to patient advisors about it, they said, you know, hey, 18 of the industry's uh, you know, advisors, you still made this from your perspective and not ours. And so we've, we, we hope we've made some changes. Have we made this entirely from a participant's perspective? I'm sure not, right? We keep, we keep trying to get there though. So it, in an effort to make this more about the participant's experience, here's where we are. What if we increased education about clinical research as a care option, yay. And um, what if during the beginning of a study we really focused on participant training? And I know there are a number of you in the room that are, are thinking along those lines. We really had a big hole though in the middle of the study and you can see even now the number of templates that are available is still pretty small. Um, it is, there's, mid-trial could be three weeks, but mid-trial could be like three or four years, right? I mean, even longer. So what are we doing there one of the important things that came back from our, particular patient advisors was like, templates don't feel very good. Like the idea that we're gonna produce a bunch of templates for the toolkit, like, I don't wanna let her go as a template. When you get the, the, you know, the kind of standard email from somewhere on high in management, like, you know, thank you for another year of positive work. Like, it's not very personal, and our participants didn't like that either. And yet, we are a template-driven, protocol-driven, like checklist-driven industry, right? And if we wanna create those triggers for something good to happen, then we might need some templates. And so, hence the journey and laid out this way with lots of different links and things so that you can look at some of the templates. For me and for the clinical trial teams that I work with, I'm, nobody's ever gonna do all of this in any one study. Right? What I really hope happens is that they'll do like one of these things or incrementally update it, and then they create something else that fits into the journey that's particularly appropriate for their study. Right? So when we, when we incrementally grow and we are doing things that are particularly appropriate for patients, maybe because a patient suggested it to us right, or advised us on it, then I think we're really winning with something like a gratitude toolkit. Two of the, two of the items though that we have used, and then I will be mindful that my time will be up, uh, is a thank you for screening card. So not you Screenfield, please get out of my office as fast as you can. But thank you, thank you for being willing to screen, right? Like that feels pretty good. Um, my colleague, Jesse Valenz actually developed this and, and I think this is, this is not the art uh, that she used. She actually ran a little contest internally 
and had the research scientists and our early development team all contribute uh, different art. So, that, so that's the one that she uses. And with some really simple language, it's template language, with the, all the expectation in the world that somebody would change that, right? Uh, and then sign it from the study site staff, right? And do some sites already do this? Probably, right? But what if the sponsor offered this as a trigger that it, this was not something bad that happened. This is a really big deal. In, in some of our studies, we have, what, 30% screen failure, 50% do not match the study. And if we send people on their way with nothing else, <laughs> hey, I wonder why we don't have enough patients to participate in clinical research. Well, we sent 50% of them out the door with you know, a kick on the pants. So considerations for each of the different tactics and templates are, are in the toolkit. Uh, but this one in particular was in, inspired by our early development team. It's then been shared with the, the, the wider public audience as a part of the Gratitude Toolkit. Um, very proud of the work that they have done. Uh, and the condolence card is something that was inspired by a patient uh, loved one someone who became an advocate after they lost a patient, uh, a loved one that had been a part of a clinical study. And they said at a conference to one of our colleagues, and we never even, we never heard anything. And, and, and I think everybody's heard that argument, right? Like, we didn't even find out what happened in the study. And I know we're all working to do a better job of, of lay summary and post-trial reports. But like, even a card? And, and so many, Physicians who have long-term relationships with their patients go to their weddings, right? Like that—that's a beautiful relationship, right? Or, uh, or I've had loved ones' funerals where their personal physician came to the funeral, right? Like so, but in a clinical research setting, there was hesitation to even send a condolence card because they didn't want to try to assume liability on behalf of the sponsor because they had been a part of a clinical trial. So there was this fear. And all the clinical, all the condolence card guidance does is say, if this is something you wanted to do, please do. Right? This is this really sweet human connection. Don't not do it because you were an investigator in a clinical study. If, however, your culture or your relationship doesn't suit, then you don't have to do this. Right? Completely optional. But when we found out that investigators weren't doing it or their staff wasn't doing it because they felt like they couldn't, shouldn't, then, then let's at least make guidance so that we get out of the way. Now, and we've had some really interesting global feedback um, around different regions around how, how this fits, what appropriate timing would be, um, and always ask patient advisors what they think before you implement something. So, so there are, there's at least two examples out of some of the things in the, in the toolkit. QR code if you want it. Transcell Art Biopharma's got the rest of this up, uh, and, then, and of course we are using some of this too. If I have a takeaway, if I have a take home, it's not really the toolkit or the, or the gratitude per se, it's the human connection. Uh, if we can create triggers so that people will stop and take a little pause in time to have a human connection, to have a minute where they you know, stop, make eye contact, thank you so much for being a part of this. Like, that's what we're really trying to bring back. We're bringing compassion back to clinical research. Somebody told me that. We're gonna bring some compassion back to clinical research. That feels like there's room. There's some unmet need for compassion. 
Uh, so if we can use some of the toolkit items, but what we really produce are moments of human connection, I think that that would be a lovely way to grow. So that's it for me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Craco Conference, editorial, podcast, or webcast, visit cracoevent.com. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.